Just trying to wake up, bro. It's that early morning this morning. Yeah, it is. I saw you about five and a half hours ago. Yes. So not too long ago, less than a work shift ago. Uh, but here we are, committed to it. <laughs> Grinding it out. I did not sleep that whole five and a half hours. You didn't. I hope I mean close, but I did about ninety five percent of it. Took a shower and then went to bed. We're talking about the fight today. Um, having to hold myself back from talking a little UFC. This is a good chapter right here. Yeah, it is. Um, I need my I need my computer to refresh my highlights though. Come on now. Um, as you're pulling that up, give us the answer. What does Rob mean by fight? He means like throw down. What is so? What is the fight? Who's it between? Why are we fighting? I mean, it's between anybody. It's just whoever you can fight, go get them. <laughs> Somebody looks at you weird in Walmart, bite them. <laughs> Danny is. Somebody uh, looks at you weird in the coffee shop, bite them in the coffee shop. That'd be an easy fight, though. Somebody in a hey. coffee shop. It's a kid. They give you that side eye, bite them. <laughs> uh, okay. Here. This is what you get. <laughs> this is what I get, you get. I get raw, unfiltered Danny. In this episode. This is on you. I think Danny's going to fight you. (laughs) We'll see. I actually thought about it. (laughs) And you realize you couldn't take me if you tried. Don't look at him weird. No, I didn't didn't want the... I didn't want your future aspirations to deny you based upon the injuries you received. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Oh, man, this is how how do I it's not profitable conversation, but how do I have more energy, quote unquote, on less sleep? That's a legitimate thing. And it's not it hits you the next day and it's not legit energy. It's just uh, it's, it's delusional. It's delu- yeah, it's delusional. Um, yeah, because I, I do the same thing um, like every day at work. No, but to get to get serious, unless if I keep up the lunacy 
you're just gonna call it in and we can all get back home and go to bed <laughs> and i'll just keep on going in. i'm just calling keep on game. keep it on yeah uh again i mean i'm going i've already figured out i'm gonna say this every week but he's talking about kind of the spiritual warfare mindset of the christian and how it needs to be a fight and he's talking about in sections in here that uh, this is not a popular take and that he's gotten or expects to receive much criticism over it um uh, but yet he said i can't read the scriptures and not see that uh that the Christian life is war in some ways. It's a it's an absolute fight, a dog fight. Now, what he's not talking about is being, uh, you know, what the qualifications for an overseer or pastor would call a um, uh, a brawler or uh, or what does it call it? Okay, here's down. Here's the downsides. I'm loony, but I can't think of things that I actually know. Um, a quarreler, a quarreler, or a brawler. He's not talking about that where you're, where you're, uh, uh, eager, eager for the controversy, eager for the next controversy. Which I think if he was on social media today, if you could port him here and he was on social media, he would say, hey, this is what, that's what is indicative of this. But he's not talking about that. And he's not even talking about primarily fighting with other Christians. But he's saying that, or churches, or chapels, he says. What he's talking about is the absolute war, absolute dogfight with the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's what this is about. But even that's not popular in his day or in ours. Uh, that, you know, popular view of Christianity is supposed to be this easy going, uh, free spirited, light uh, kind of prosperity, uh, uh, feel good Christianity. K-Love Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's just not it. That's just not it. And we've talked about this before too. The, it being a fight isn't popular. It gets critic. this idea gets criticism from the other perspective that it's like, um, if I'm supposed to be saved from sin, then why do I have to fight so hard? Which, when people have that mindset, which is often, you know, um, we, you kind of see the mannerisms and, and wordings and stuff. When people have that, they're going to have a hard time understanding Ryle, which this is a subject for us to work through in talking of this chapter. But when they read Ryle early in this chapter, they're going to have a hard time understanding him when they don't see the necessity of fighting. Right. I'm justified, so why fight? He says this, the warfare I speak of is the spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. 
It is the fight which everyone who would be saved must fight about his soul. In other words, if you want to be saved, you must fight. What happens if you don't fight? You're not saved. Um, not to try to reconcile this up front. We can do this as we yeah. go. But um, Raul is going to get into the fact that is it is it cleared up? If you want to go ahead and start it, they'll just get the disadvantage. I'm sure there's a way too we can have audio before video. That's not the point. I I don't know. You just just in case. Yeah. The fact that or or, or if you're gonna do, um, if you believe chapter one on sin, and if you desire chapter two sanctification. And you are striving for holiness, chapter 3. Um, then chapter 4 is inevitable. There's no way that you can strive towards holiness without fighting. There's no way that you can be a sanctified believer without fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not picking the fight. The fight's picking you. Yeah. And you just got to go with it. Because of the enemies that we have, as as, as you mentioned. Um and to your point, Raoul says this. This warfare, I am aware, is a thing of which many know nothing. Talk to them about it, and they are ready to set you down as a madman, an enthusiast, or a fool, or as we hear it, a radical. And yet, it is as real and true as any war the world has ever seen. It has its hand-to-hand conflicts and its wounds. It has its watchings and fatigues. It has its sieges and assaults. It has its victories and its defeats. Above all, it has consequences which are awful, tremendous, and most peculiar. In earthly warfare, the consequences to nations are often temporary and remediable. In the spiritual warfare, it is very different of that warfare, the consequences when the fight is over are unchangeable and eternal. So he's describing the fight of what it looks like, why we have to have it. But he says something that would make us think he lives today. A lot of people don't know much of anything at all about this fight. Yeah. Um, which was a good podcast episode that just thinking just released on spiritual warfare um how long is it about six hours yeah the first two hours are advertisements <laughs> stuff i'm hanging out so you can fast forward hey that. have you seen the uh what's the dude's name the uh the reform funny moments guy the youtube channel kuiper belt. yeah kuiper, kuiper belt. belt yeah man the the ones that he does where just thing is animated they do that. Have you seen the ones where they're animated yeah, talking yeah. to each other? Yeah, that is the best thing on the internet, man. The animated just thinking is yeah. the funniest thing. If if there was a whole episode of that, I would watch it for sure. Yeah, yeah. They should start. They should consider just the, doing that. The just thinking cartoon is hilarious, man. It's it's funny just listening to it. The clips. You just listen to. I don't know if they do video now. I don't know. Just thinking does video now. I don't know. 
But the clips, man, they're funny on their own. But when they put the animation to it, it's just so funny. Yeah. Virgil spinning around in circles, uh, laughing. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's good stuff. Um, Did you listen to it, though? Yes. They do a good job of talking about... Um, we... Uh, there is a large group in our culture that does see a fight. But they categorize it and describe it unbiblically. And it's the charismatic idea yeah. of spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know, you in order to get your breakthrough, you got to beat the devil. He's standing in front of you. Or mm-hmm. you're demon-possessed or something. They, they go on and on and on. I'm not even going to try to summarize their whole point because it's a long point. Um, but all that to say, we have this cool Hollywood version of spiritual warfare but that doesn't actually involve striving for holiness. Right. Doesn't right. it actually involve us holding ourselves accountable um, to the standard of, of, you know, God's word? That's like this fun, entertaining spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see in this chapter that's not the warfare that the Bible describes, according to Ryle. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he jumps in. After saying, if we would be holy, we must fight, he starts to give a few um, points to this fight. Number one, the first thing I have to say is this. True Christianity is a fight. Now let me back up for, for a second and, and read that quote again because that's a tweetable quote. If we would be holy... We must fight. Let's follow the train of thought. The train of thought starts out as, if we will see God, we must be holy. All right? Well, if we would be holy, we must fight. Mm-hmm. And he gives this qualifier. True Christianity is a fight. Somebody's going to hop in and say, well, what, what's the necessity of even having that modifier? True. I mean, Christianity is Christianity. It doesn't need a qualifier before it. Well, Ralph says this, true Christianity. Let us mind that word true. There is a vast quantity of religion current in the world which is not true, genuine Christianity. It passes muster. It satisfies sleepy consciences, but it is not good money. Spends a full paragraph talking about this. They mean to be buried as Christians when they die. But you never see any, quote-unquote, fight about their religion of spiritual strife and exertion and conflict and self-denial and watching and warring. They know literally nothing at all. We gave you a hard time last night because you used about 17 uh, 17, uh, synonyms to describe something. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Conflict and convict and... You and Ryle would be boys on this because he's using all the synonyms in the book. Exertion and strife and conflict and self-denial, watching, warring. Add, That's right. Add to it. That's right. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. You're thinking of seven other words that he could use there. They know literally nothing at all. Such Christianity may satisfy man. And those who say anything against it may be thought very hard and uncharitable. But it is certainly not the Christianity of the Bible. 
It is not the religion which the Lord Jesus founded and his apostles preached. It is not the religion which produces real holiness. True Christianity is a fight. Yeah, that absolutely. This is you just speaking to the one. He's laying out his case. Look, this biblical concept. Two, um, you know, two. What I mean, what this is what he's talking about here is like. Look, popular Christianity just isn't cutting it in his day nor in ours. And then the person who takes it seriously is looked at like some sort of radical or some sort of, you know, um, you know, hey, why are you taking it so serious? Christianity is supposed to be this, uh, this, you know, feel good, positive, you know, positive attitude uh, type, type religion. And this, you know, what he's explaining here just isn't that. It's kind of like, um, to, to try to put it in the picture is he's cultivating like this, this emphasis and this feeling. Like I'm reading the book of Judges right now. And uh, he's taking that sort of warfare and applying it to your own soul. Okay, are you going to war with that sort of mindset, with that sort of intensity uh, that it's not called spiritual warfare for no reason? But that's, I mean, it's just not popular. It's just not, it's just not popular. And, uh, but I agree with them. I agree with them. It's, it's essential for, it's an essential aspect of of true Christianity. There's there's too there's too many there's too much warfare language when talking about uh, your spiritual life in both the Old and the New Testament. Um, for it to not be an integral an integral part of of the Christian life. I mean, it's not called the armor of God at the end of Ephesians chapter. Or in Ephesians chapter six, for no reason, uh, you don't have, uh, you know, Paul's wartime language to, t- to Timothy in First and Second Timothy for for no reason. Um. So yeah, this is an aspect in, uh, in the quote Christians unquote who aren't fighting. Uh, they're just spiritually getting. Bald, getting thrashed. I mean, it, it, it. Yeah, it just is what it is. Yeah, it, or it's just the. It's just not is what it is, and nothing can be done about it. It's just the reality. Yeah, it's what's required of us in order for us to um, uh, achieve what God wants us to achieve. Yeah, and th- let's not. I had this picture reading this or I got this picture of mine reading this as I'm thinking about you know I just happen to be reading the book of Judges and reading this at the same time this chapter at the same time and when we talk about assurance as we often uh, talk about on here just as it comes up in books or in in whatever uh, in conversation 
uh, we're not talking about the concept here of like, okay, if you, again, if Ryle's not talking about, we're not talking about, okay, if you don't fight, then you're going to lose, you're going to lose your salvation or something like that. Um, no, he's saying, he's saying if you have salvation, you're going to fight. Uh, that that's that's his whole point. It's required that you fight. The picture is this. You know, okay, if we have to fight so hard, then you know where. Okay, where does kind of confidence, where does assurance come come into this? Well, it's like this: if uh, if someone came, uh, um, I was thinking of the story of Gideon in the. Uh, in the book of Judges. And the dude was extremely confident uh, that the Lord was going to give his enemies into his hand. Um, so it's like that. It's like if Christ came to us and said, hey, I'm needing some soldiers. We're going to go fight this battle and I assure the victory. That That's the concept that we're talking about here. It's like, all right, let's go. And you put pick up your spiritual armor in Ephesians chapter 6. You put it on, and you say, let's go to war. And you know you're warring with somebody that's, that's guaranteeing you the win. It's like, if I roll with this guy, uh, I know he's going to win. And so I'm going with him. That's the mindset here. It's, the, it's not fighting but you may lose, you may get defeated, you may end up dying on the battlefield. No, it's it's assured victory. So let's go. Yeah. yeah it's a good let's point. go. The, there, you have real enemies, so let's go slay them. Meaning the, meaning the flesh, the world, and the devil. And, and let's, let's just make it very clear we're not talking about actual we're not talking about actually going to physical war with the world. Um we'll get into that though. Yeah. It's it's just crazy you have to make that clear these days, but yeah, it you is. do. It's, it's crazy you have to make both sides um clear that fighting is necessary and you must fight in spite of and in light of the fact that you are a justified believer. Because mm-hmm. um, there's two sides. Uh, they don't want to fight because they just, you know, have no love for the Lord. Uh, the other side is they don't want to fight because they don't want to come across as trying to earn their salvation. Right. Keep it. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about that. But, you know, those tryhards. We call them tryhards. You're out of the gym. You're just trying to shoot around. Your friend invited you to the gym, or your your friend invited you to um, the weightlifting gym or the basketball gym, and you're expecting to just hang out, um, shoot around and stuff. But there maybe there's three or four of you, so y'all are all just trying to goof off and play two on two or something. And that one dude who's trying really hard, like he's shooting threes and blocking shots and Stealing it from you when you were dribbling and standing straight up and stuff. And you're like, dude, why are you trying so hard? You're a tryhard. If you're not accused of being a tryhard as a Christian in this culture, you probably aren't trying hard enough um, to Ryle's point. 
because a lot of people are uh, a lot of people would say, you know what what what's the what's all the ruckus? Why the call to such arms? I'll just read what he says. Some men may think these statements too strong. You fancy, which by the way, up to this point, Raul is going way harder than what we're talking right now. He's dropping elbows quickly yeah. in J.C. Raul fashion. He gets straight to it. Um, some men may think these statements too strong. You fancy that I am going too far and laying on the colors too thickly. So here we would say again, Raul, you're being radical here. Mm-hmm. Being a little, you're, you're being try hard, a little extra. You are secretly saying to yourself, the men and women in England may surely get to heaven with all this, without all this trouble and warfare and fighting. Listen to me for a few minutes and I will show you that I have something to say on God's behalf. Remember the maxim of the wisest general that ever lived in England. Could you look up the, the general of, of who says this, T. Ford? Um, just copy and paste this quote if you have it on your computer. Remember the maxim of the wisest general that ever lived in England. He says, In time of war, it is the worst mistake to underrate your enemy and try to make a little war. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And then he starts to basically say, you don't think, you don't think the Bible takes it this seriously? Well, here's quote after quote after quote after quote after quote. Strive to enter the gate. Labor for the meat that endureth unto everlasting life. Think not that I came to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. He that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Watch ye, stand fast mm-hmm. in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. War, good warfare, holding, fa- uh, holding faith and good conscience. That's 1 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy 2, Ephesians 6, Luke 13, John 6, Matthew 10, Luke 22, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 Timothy 1.18. You see this recurring theme that we've repeated. Uh, we have to repeat ourselves because he repeats himself in a um, necessary way. Uh, if you have a Christianity that doesn't fight, where are you getting that from? Mm-hmm. We we could put that on a shirt. Um, where are you getting that from? Did, were you able to find it? I'm not finding it. Read the quote one more time. The quote says, um, in time of war, it is the worst mistake to underrate your enemy. Mm, okay. English general. It's a really good, um, really applicable to what we're talking about right now. Um, and there's two sides of that. In time Apparently, of war, we don't know the most famous English general. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I would like to know. How, I mean, I thought he's like, duh. Do you not know? Because you know those Englishmen have they know their yeah history. Well, the thing that I'm pulling up, it's actually a quote from a guy named Lao Tzu. So, uh, it's L-A-O-T-Z-U. That's definitely he's not him. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, definitely not, not English. Yeah, it's not English, that's what I was about to say. Or yeah. Raul is yeah. misunderstanding where he's from. It's the guy who wrote Art of War, I think. Oh, oh that's uh, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu is pretty likely. Could be. So, um, I thought the most fam- famous English general was George Washington. Well, <laughs> <there's> several th- <laughs> things wrong with that picture. 
and he's just the he's just the most famous because he ended up being the most famous American general. So (laughs) it is dangerous to underestimate your enemy in the warfare. Secondly, it's dangerous to underestimate the fact that there is a warfare. You know, say you have an enemy, but you don't even realize that they're an enemy because you don't even realize that there's a war going on. Yeah. Um, Dangerous thing. I mean, yeah, there'd be, I mean, anyone who's deceived and not in the faith that doesn't even realize they're, they're, they're being beat and they don't even know it. Yeah. If he hasn't clarified enough, he said uh, that lesson is that true Christianity is a struggle, a fight, and a warfare. He that pretends to condemn fighting and teaches we ought to sit still and yield ourselves to God appears to me to misunderstand his Bible and to make a great mistake. Um could be wrong but he might be talking about Keswick theology here which you probably heard the common phrase let go and let God mm-hmm. uh, that's if he's not specifically talking about Keswick theology um, but I think that's a contemporary uh, movement during his time in his day um it's, cert- he, it's certainly the same concept. Uh, let go and let God. Saying like, what do you, you just need to uh, kind of passively, uh, basically the Christian life is a passive endeavor. You need to let God do what God's going to do. And you really shouldn't put in much ambition, effort, or fight in this in this context. And uh, that's just denying uh, human responsibility, uh, man's responsibility, particularly the Christian's responsibility in sanctification, which we've already belabored in the previous chapter. Uh, um, and, and it's just a grave mistake. I, I mean, I agree with him. I mean, Riles, Riles the man. So I think I, I could be wrong, but at least it's that sentiment is the this uh passive idea of being a passive Christian. Um uh almost you know, almost kinda like uh almost kinda like in our day when people say, Oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. They're just thinking of whatever practices that they'll want to do to make themselves spiritual um, or they're similar sim uh, but they don't actually have to uh, w- you know work as part of their sanctification or work as part of their holiness or fight off uh, the flesh and the world and the devil like Ryle's talking about in this case and and again just tying it back there's there is a uh, you know, popular Christianity is essentially, you know, essentially saying the same thing. Yes, especially sure. especially prosperity cr- prosperity Christianity, the the false prosperity gospel. 
they just tell you to have more faith and that's your answer out of all your problems uh even if uh both when your problems are sin induced and when they are not the Keswick movement is a theological movement that originated in the early 19th century um so that's going to be around Raoul. Yeah. Influenced by John Wesley, um, involved Hudson Taylor, Oswald Chambers, didn't realize that, Billy Graham, um, which I don't think you would have been talking about the Keswicks there because they taught <laughs> of oh, a babe. sinless perfection. <laughs> Billy Graham wasn't talking about the, wasn't around in the early 19th century, but. Well, but he, he was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, then again, yeah, they probably could be talking about fighting because if they believe in sinless perfection, well then... What is there to fight? Right. What is there to... Right. Yeah, if you believe in sinless perfection, you're not going to agree with what Raul is talking about in this chapter. But it's this passive idea of just, you know, sit still and lend yourself, you know, lend yourself to God, as Ryle says. Yeah. That's not... Oh, you've got this, uh, got this abiding sin. Well, you just need to wait on the Lord to take it from you, right? As as you said, just have a little bit more faith. Yeah, you just need to have, have more faith. More faith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which just pr- just pray more. Yeah. And I'm not. Uh, you have to pray. I mean, you have to pray, but. I'm hard pressed to see in the scriptures where you pray but don't act. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's presuming upon the Lord. That's uh, th- we didn't talk. I don't think we've talked about on Ryle, but I've given this example before. That's like asking the Lord to provide you a job. Oh, I'm unemployed. I need a job. Lord, please give me a job. But you never send out any applications. Yeah. Or you never. You know, you're presuming on the Lord to bless you in your laziness. That's that's presumptuous. Um, man, I, same mindset here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and sometimes they they look different, whether it be the prosperity gospel or antinomianism or several other things, but they all land in the same spot. Truly, um, of just this passive, hands off Christianity. Whereas Ryle's saying the Bible describes a hands-on, right, right. bloody, ugly, brutal mm-hmm. fight. Um, I, I keep reading through these quotes, and I keep saying, man, it, if we were to say this in our day, we would qualify ourselves to death on this. That's why I'm going to read more, more Ryle. Yeah, man, and we're repeating this too. Like if you're listening, we know that we're repeating ourselves. We know that we've said this. Uh, but if you keep saying things, saying something over and over and over, and you're finally going to get the point and imitate that. But we would qualify this statement to death. Whether we are churchmen or not, says Raul, one thing is certain, the Christian warfare yep. is a great reality and a subject of vast importance. It is not a matter like church government and ceremonial um, about which men may differ and yet reach heaven at last. Necessity is laid upon us. We must fight. 
There are no promises in the Lord Jesus Christ's epistles to the seven churches except to those who overcome. Where there is grace, there will be conflict. The believer is a soldier. There is no holiness without a warfare. Saved souls will always be found to have fought a fight. Wait a minute, Ralph. Preach. Yeah. Come on in and tell us how you don't mean to, to conflate justification with sanctification, Ralph. Clear that up. Tell us you don't mean that we have to earn, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, he did. He already yeah, has. He, he did. And he's yeah. not repeating that because he wants you to see how urgent this is. You want to be saved, you have to fight. What did our Lord say? He who perseveres to the end will be saved. Yeah. Meaning he who does not persevere to the end, maybe he started the race, but he did not persevere to the end, he will not be saved. Yeah, this seems to be like a... Uh, uh, yeah, that, that quote is just... Uh, this is a powerful quote, man. His reference to the seven churches... Uh, and the the light bulb went off for me in reading it. It's like the uh, um, uh, the promises in the letters to the seven churches. This is a reference to uh, the seven churches, the beginning of the book of Revelation. Uh, that they're only there for those who overcome. They're they're only there for those who overcome. And the whole you could say that the whole book of Revelation is. Uh, about the church's overcoming in Christ, Christ returning, conquering, and to conquer, uh, the Scripture says. Uh, so it goes back to that idea of like uh, uh, Christ being a warrior, Christ being an actual true, uh, an actual warrior. Um, I train jujitsu with a lot of law enforcement veterans, uh, and this is a. Uh, this is a key way in which, um, uh, in which they can find identity with Christ in, especially the those who were were combat veterans. And we're like, okay, well, they, you know, if you have this this picture of a pacifist Jesus, they they then they, they, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes they can feel like Jesus isn't for them. They're not that. They're a warrior. They've, they've been, uh, they've killed people. They've been to war. But then when they get insight into, well, Christ was also a warrior, and the picture of him and his second coming is coming conquering and to conquer his, his enemies. Now all of a sudden, not in like a way, like a car salesman way, in which oh now now there's something to like about Jesus, uh, but now there's there's something that they can, uh, there, there's a point of identity with Christ that they didn't think that they could, that they could be for him or that he could be for them. They thought that they were unqualified, that they're, I'm now not a candidate for Christianity because it's passive uh, or even pacifist, and I haven't been. I've, I've disqualified myself from that faith, that group. But then they get a picture of Christ as warrior, and they're like, "Whoa, wait a second! Maybe I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm not un, uh, you know, unqualified or un, um, uh, unable to identify here." 
Yeah. Um, so it's for those who overcome, and that's it's it, it, and that's that's warfare language again. Again, and this is a phrase here, man. That uh, very uh, a grabbable a phrase, a, a phrase that really stuck out to me. That you read, where there is grace, there will be conflict, and that seems counterintuitive if you just put that phrase out there on by itself it seems uh not right honestly it's like wait a second where there's grace there must be conflict but i thought great i thought grace relieves us of all the right right i thought that this was um those are two things that don't seemingly go together but they but they absolutely do it's kind of like love and hate the similar similar concept that I'm talking about here. You would think love and hate are opposed to one another, but actually if you love something or someone, then you uh, by nature are going to hate that which is opposed to whatever you love. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good and right if someone is uh, out to harm my family uh, to hate them. Uh, to hate them in a real in a real sense yeah you're gonna love them to an extent because you don't desire to mutilate them for fun yeah you're gonna maintain natural law for them um you know you're gonna see if that if they somehow express like it let's just as far-fetched but get this like if someone breaks into your house you wake up and you take control of the situation if you see that that person um, is truly sorry or that they are um, in no way of hurting your family and stuff, right. you're not going to kill them for fun. You know, you're not going to, well, no holes barred, you're, you're, you're dead, buddy. Yeah some, yeah, some drunk guy stumbles into my driveway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you this, know, that's different. Or this made the news, like if... Uh, that that lady was killed because she two weeks ago was killed because she drove into the wrong driveway. That's just a pure hatred for humanity. There's no love there. What 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 happened? This lady, you Google it. This lady was with her friend. Her friend was driving, pulled into the wrong driveway, and this old man pulled out a gun and shot her and killed no her. No way. They were in the driveway. Yes. Golly. Terrible. But yeah, some you know something like that. So you there's still this you, your whole you may have this uh, practical hatred for this person, but you're still maintaining a, a godly love for them. But you must execute the situation because you love your family. Uh, but I don't want to take you away from from your point. I'm just you know. Well, that, yeah, that is the point. The point isn't that uh, it's your. Um, well, the point is going back to, that was just an illustration to go back to Ryle's point. Where there is grace, there, there will be conflict. Um, in fact, in fact, that this puts frames this, frames it in the right light. Because there is grace, you war against the yes. flesh, you war against the flesh, the world, and the devil. Yes. Because there is grace. If there was, if no, there was grace. no grace... Uh, just throw up the white flag because 
they've you know they've got you right they've got you yeah there um, is no there is no winning without grace you said something earlier that I, I you, think you don't even have peace treaty negotiate you don't have leverage for peace treaty negotiation yeah you just you know you're just a, oh the scripture calls it you're a, a slave to sin yeah a citizen in the kingdom of darkness that's why I think a lot of guys in our day are post-millennial because post-millennialism has done a good job of advertising manly Christianity. So this is going well, back and to... War, and a warfare and a type. warfare, yeah. you know, God's mission is warfare and it takes warfare to advance the kingdom and yada, yada, yada. And they do a good job of advertising is, is in a manly way. And we talked about this last night. There's a lot of advertisement of the, of this wimpy Christianity, K-Love Christianity. Um, you know, Teresa had a hard day. She got a flat on the way to work. Hey, don't you be talking about Mother Teresa like that. <laughs> Shout out to Mother Teresa. Um, I believe she's a saint now. Could be she, wrong. I could be wrong, but I think she's been sainted. However that works, saintified. What is Is it canonized? Knighted, I think it's knighted. What is what is the what is it called when when a person has been sainted? Um, anyways, and what I want to know in Catholic theology is: does that mean that she's an apostle now? You're onto something. I don't want to chase that rabbit, but um, <laughs> the rabbit of uh, manliness. But that's why a lot yeah. of guys are post mill. You know, they don't really fully know what it means to be post-mill. They just know that for starters, it's the manly version of Christianity, and I want that. The Bible does say Christ was manly. Whereas mm-hmm. the old guys are sitting back like... Canoniz- canonization. When a person is sainted. Canonization. Yep. They were can- ha- has she been? Uh, you don't has, know. You has Mother know. Teresa on, been I'll, canonized? I'll get there. I'll get there. But you got to do a miracle in order to be sainted. Canonized. That's one of the requirements. Maybe she, she maybe she did maybe she did some. Is she a bread maker? Every batch of sourdough is a miracle from God. Uh, Amen. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh yeah. Yep. That's what I thought. She oh. did a miracle. Yep. That's what I 20, thought. 2016. It's in the books. Um so That's what I thought, man. I'm s- up I'm up on my you, you said earlier. I'm up on my saints. <laughs> yeah. Uh not she basically like a universalist? I'm sure she was. I preached at a yeah. church that I preached at a church. You can't talk trash about Mother Teresa. Where the, the 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 songwriter of When the Saints Go Marching In, I preached at his church. It's actually in what? Pain, yes, that's in Payneburn, Arkansas. The guy who wrote the guy who wrote that. What is it? Could you look up that song When the Saints Go Marching? What's his name? It's not Rutherford. It's something. He, you you preached in Samuel Rutherford's church. Um. Um, related to Samuel Rutherford because I'm from Scotland. I take pride in that. Uh, not Irish? No, Scottish. You look Irish. Dixon is a Scot- Scotland name, a Scottish name. I think you need to take a DNA test, man. I already researched my family. I already researched them. Um, I don't come from those Roman Catholic pagans of Ireland. Um, <laughs> Golly! <laughs> Do historical research of Ireland. I'm not saying all Roman Catholics are pagans, but do a research of Ireland. Those guys were brutal. I just finished yeah. a biography. I'll, I'll say this, and then we'll get back to the point, because I want to read what Ryle said that connects exactly with what you said earlier. Uh, but I read uh, Cromwell's biography. I just finished it. 
because I'm stuck on Covenant or all that stuff. So the yeah. historical lesson we had, yeah, which I think we should revisit that. But um, I I want to revisit something too. The Irish were brutal people. Yeah, they were, and the attacks they made on the Protestants, raping women, making the women and kids walk naked through the streets to humiliate them, burying people alive. Burning people to death, gutting people while they're alive, and then making them just just morbid stuff. Mm. Um, ter- awful, awful. Anyways, what do you want to revisit? Uh, there is no known author of one of the saints go marching no, that's, in. That's false. Um, no, no, that <laughs> no, is this, not no, true. No, no, no. I'm telling you what it says. No, this, <laughs> no, this church. That's, uh, that's not yeah. true. The, you know, no, this this church has a, a legendary claim to fame, man. Yeah, don't don't take that away in from Pangbird, them. Arkansas. That's the only thing that they have. Don't take that away. This from is them. like in my town that I grew up in, Ferris, Texas. Shout out Yellow Jackets, even though we're orange and black for some reason. Uh, there's two myths behind that. If we ever want to talk about it, I can. Uh, the only two places of origin I've been able to pull up is either is it's believed either New Orleans or <laughs> Williamsport, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Dude when <laughs> saints come marching in, this church is like the author of that hymn is from Pinburn. Pastored this church. Yeah, uh, it's like in Ferris, Texas. The legend was because Ferris used to be a brick town, a producer of bricks. And the old, uh, kind of the old patriarchs of the town uh, would always say that the that there are ferrous bricks that are at the base of the Statue of Liberty. But nowhere on the internet can confirm this. <laughs> How are they going to confirm that, though? But you can go go you can go there. Well, I mean, no. How would they confirm? How would the internet confirm? This brick was from Ferris because the because the, the brick says Ferris on it. Okay, I got oh, okay. you. I, got you. I was like, I got you gonna DNA you. test a brick? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm sure you wh- can. Wh- actually, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. What are you gonna revisit? What do you want to revisit? Uh, I want to revisit some uh, some other works in the line of Lex Rex in Christian, like Christian political theory. Vindicia contra Tirana, something like that. Junius Brutus. I wasn't thinking about that, but yes. Um, also the Magna Carta, uh, but there's some uh, some later some later stuff, some more uh, direct, some other things that directly influenced American, really American Baptist history that went on to influence uh, uh, that went on to influence America as a country. Could you, uh, like sorry uh, I'm having you look up a lot of stuff, but could you look up some of those books? Like maybe we can just Google what books. Like what you're talking about, getting a ballpark of. Um, I'm talking about uh, stuff by Roger Williams and John Clark. So like ill news from ill news from New England or something like that. Mm. Yeah, that would, that would be worth it. That would be worth it because um, um, I know we're chasing this a lot, but Lex Rex was a very popular series. Us. Uh, apparently, yeah, it, it it was very good. Um, uh, ill news. For, uh, hold on a second, I'm pulling it up. John Clark's ill news from New England. Yeah, is that can is that accessible? Like as far as ordering, 
Well, I've got it free on my computer, but in a Word document. I don't know how I got it in a Word document. Uh, yes, it is. Where where could we get that from? Could you Amazon? Amazon. Could you send me a link? Could you send me seven? I don't. So I don't order from Amazon. Could you or send me another link, like from maybe Christian? Hey, Parker I'm I'm with you. I I I only order from Amazon if that's the only place I can get something. I'm to the point to where if I have to order from Amazon, I ain't getting it. I'll order it. Uh, Let them a- crash and burn. I'll order it from Amazon for you. Let them crash and burn. <laughs> you order it for me, okay? Yeah, I'll do uh, But I ain't ordering from Amazon. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you commit this in. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's be thinking about those things. Let's revisit political theory. Maybe we should revisit Cromwell and the Covenanters. There's so much more to talk about on that. Um, again, I'll repeat it. If you're a listener, we have some faithful listeners. If you can get a hold of... Hewless, I think is his last name, Trinity, on Scottish Covenanters. That's right. Uh, could you look that up too? Banner True Scottish Covenanters. If you have two volumes, I will buy them from you if you don't want to send them to me for free. If you want to send them to me for free, I'll send you my address. I have super fans showing up in my porch at 11 p.m. <laughs> Anyways, while you're thinking of that, Feel free to interrupt me and go, to go back to this. I'm done. I'm done. So you said earlier that there has to be. Uh, you mentioned prayer in connection with the fight, and you're not chasing a rabbit there because Ryle starts to talk about the necessity yeah. of faith in this fight. It's not a dualism. It's not faith and works. When it comes to this, it's rather faithful works. Well, that's how you know you actually have yes. That's how you know that you're actually believing that the Lord will answer your prayer. By fighting. By yeah, by fighting. It's yes. um yeah, it's it's the uh the action after the prayer or it's prayerful action that is I'm still good. Uh, I got half a cup. Come on, man. Hey, the Covenanters is on sale right now. Fifty eight fifty. Is it in stock? No. <laughs> so they put it on oh. sale and it's out of stock. Yeah, oh, what? It's what on sale, but maybe it's on pre-order. Are you talking about no, a banner? No, no, Are you talking about no, a banner? It's not on pre-order. No, this this thing's been out. It's just plum out of stock. Yeah, yeah. And I've been told that it takes ten years sometimes for them to get books back in stock. Banner? It looks awesome. I have to have those two books. I have to have it. But anyways. He, Ryle says this, I pass on to the second thing which I have to say in handling my subject. True Christianity is the fight of faith. Um, but first, what we mean by faith is, um, well, not what we mean by faith, but what our faith is in. He says a general faith in the truth of God's written word is the primary foundation of the Christian soldier's character. So say that you understand, yes, I am all for the works aspect. Say you're a rugged man. What? How bad do you want these books? Not a hundred dollars bad. No. Seventy five. How hey. Amazon bad? <laughs> That's pretty low. Hey, no, I will I will That's like getting a Bible from the devil. It's like <laughs> what you do it. Hey. Uh but let's move on, and we'll pick this up. We'll pick this up after. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll 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 get on the Scottish Covenant or hunt Afterwards. after after we're done. Let's not derail the whole thing. Yeah. Let's okay. Not. My bad. But we will find them. 
Um, a general faith in the truth of God's written word is the primary foundation of the Christian soldier's character. We're, we're Disney around here. Well, I'll make your dreams come true. Say if you're a you're a rugged man who I understands like that. you're a rugged man who understands the necessity of fighting in Christian religion, but to the detriment of the theory of this fight, you know the application, but you don't really spend time thinking of the theory. To the detriment of doctrine, to the detriment of theology. Raoul says this a religion, and this is under that subcategory of a general faith in the truth of God's written word. He says, A religion without doctrine or dogma is a thing which many are fond of talking of in the present day. It sounds very fine at first. It looks very pretty at a distance. But the moment we sit down to examine and consider it, we shall find it a simple impossibility. We might as well talk of a body without bones and sinews. No man will ever be anything or do anything in religion unless he believes something. Even those who profess to hold the miserable and uncomfortable views of the deists are obliged to confess that they believe something. With all their bitter sneers about dogmatic theology and Christian credulity, as they call it, they themselves have a kind of faith. So in other words, on the flip side, it doesn't matter how much you uh, are willing to do, how much you are willing to work, how much you're willing to fight. If you don't have a good theology that goes before that, you have a body without bones, yeah. says Raoul. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another... That's a, uh, another description of our historical context. A religion without any sort of mind to go with it. Don't give me doctrine. I, I've heard somebody say um, to a preacher very close to me, don't give us all of this theology. Just preach the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that's, you know, I'm not going to beat that horse. We already know there's no preaching the word without theology. But in this case, even in fighting... You're not going to be a good fighter. You're not going to do good in spiritual warfare if you don't have doctrine and dogma. Um, we that's, that's taking us all the way back to episode one of the classic cast where we define what dogma is when we discussed Hermit Bavink's reform dogmatics. Bavink does an awesome job of uh, making dogma practical when he defines it. Yeah, so this is a good point. Uh, doctrine matters. And he he's right to emphasize it now or speak to it now because at the beginning of this chapter, he talks about, look, he talks about, okay, Christianity is a fight, but he says that it's not a fight about quabbling over, uh, quabbling over doctrine. Uh, but now... Uh, so this is a good point that he is qualifying in a sense that let's not, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. The first thing you have to fight with is the truth. Um, if you're not, if you don't have, uh, you know, substance of Christianity, if you don't have substance, the substance of true religion, uh, then you don't have any, you don't have the very first, any very first tools to or weapons to actually fight actually fight with 
it's like going to war without any sort of uh, army, navy, air force. You just don't have it. You're right. you're going out there with sticks. Or to add to it, if you have a navy who uses um, submarines and the submarines were built by men who had no knowledge of how to build submarines. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's bad recipe. You're you're in danger. Yeah. So if you um if you have spiritual warfare coming from a man who doesn't have a doctrine, a robust doctrine of yeah. spiritual warfare, he's either going to be charismatic. Yeah. Or he's going to be fighting the wrong people, which Ralph says at the first part of this chapter is not the fight we have. You shouldn't be fighting this guy. It's not it's not spiritual warfare for you to have a debate about eschatology with right. your brother and you lose right. friendship over that. Right. That may be spiritual warfare, but that's that came from you, buddy. Right. Um but when you have this good doctrine, hey look, so and so and I have this difference of well, theology. It's not true spiritual warfare. That's that's just uh yeah. pride. Uh that's like the uh it's like the, it's like you and your brother are getting in a fight, you know? That's what it is. Yeah. It's like the, the locker room altercation after practice. It's like, okay. Um, and honestly, most of the time in Christianity, history, history of Christianity is full of these things. But mo- honestly, most of the time, if we're going back to the kind of like manly, you know, back to the... Um, manly perspective on Christianity. Most of the time, okay, once the beef is had out in the locker room, you're good. Yeah. You're in fact, good. you're probably yeah. better friends yeah. because of that. Yeah, yeah. You're hanging out afterwards. Yeah. That's what I hope happens. There's a lot of theological. We live in a time, not just in Christianity, but in a general time, in our culture, our context, our society. Dude, everyone's everyone's fighting. There's just... It's just a divisive. It's just a divisive time. Uh, my hope out of all of this is 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 like this. Okay, here's a here's a quabble. Here's a little locker room beef. But afterwards, all right, we're we're cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's why I'm committed to not ever getting offended at all yeah. when it comes to my brother. Yeah, like I know this man loves me. I'm committed to not being offended by something that he says. Yeah. And and especially when we're debating. Yeah. We're when we're debating, I personally recognize this as this yeah. brotherly sparring match of between two men that love each other. Yeah. Well hold on, it depends. I know you're not wanting to name him, but if this is the same guy that said, Hey, this church is the guy who wrote this hymn used to pastor here. <laughs> then, <laughs> no, but, that guy and yeah. I have, yeah, we got problems now, buddy. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Yeah, then. It's not Luther Vandross. Then you should, I was going to say, then you should be offended. Yeah. Because um, they really what they were trying to do is make you feel like you're important. Well. <laughs> to the point of faith, to the, to the point of faith in the fight, Rao brings it in. All right, bring it on in, guys. Bring it in. Let's remember this. Wait, well, uh, sorry to derail you, but you may have read this, but I don't want to pass up this quote. As for true Christians, faith is the very backbone of their spiritual existence. Yes. Did you read that? 
No, I didn't. Faith is a very backbone of their spiritual existence. Yes. Uh, no one ever fights earnestly against the world, the flesh, and the devil unless he has engraven on his heart certain great principles which he believes. So you have to have a faith. You have to be convinced of the doctrines once delivered to the saints, the way the Bible puts it. Um, it's like going to, it's like, it would be like a soldier going to war, not believing in any of his purpose, not, not having any conviction that what he's doing is, is good and right and a just war. Um, for true Christians, the spiritual warfare that we partake in, um, it's that same. It's that same mindset. Uh, you you go to and, and going back to protecting your home. You go to war to protect what you love, not because uh, you have animosity toward whatever nation you're going to war against. Um, like a like a a war shouldn't be. Uh, motivated by uh, racism or animosity is not the right word. You should have animosity toward your enemy, uh, but out of a uh, out of a uh, out of a, a a pure hatred for another nation or another another ethnicity, another culture, or something like that. But you go to war for the uh, benefit and protection of those that you love. So, do you have? Uh, do you have core principles in which you believe, and that that is the reason you're going to war over your own soul? That's that's the conviction in which you're going to in which you are going to war. Um, I think World War II is a great example of this. You could nations could enter into that war. Allied nations could enter into that war uh, uh, with with a nation's consciousness, like America did not, had no interest in entering the war, World War II originally. Uh, but but they eventually came to, it eventually became uh, a very national unifying thing uh, that the whole nation got behind because uh, it became a moral obligation uh, for us to enter into, for the nation to enter into the war. It, it, and it was because it was out of conviction. It was a moral obligation. In the same sense, our doctrine, our faith, the faith, uh, the one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one Lord, uh, uh, that's what calls us to arms in the spiritual sense. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, wartime is, un, uh, is irrespective of persons. Uh, so Ryle goes on to say, wherever you see a man, whether rich or poor, learned or unlearned, wrestling manly with sin and trying to overcome it, you may be sure there are certain great principles which that man believes. Mm. Uh, so this isn't, uh, he's saying that he's making another link to war, that war is not a respecter of persons, uh, that there aren't spiritual elites that don't have that don't have to that don't have to take up the task of spiritual warfare. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, any class, any type of citizen, if you will, any type of Christian, uh, that 
that is called arms. Yeah. And then let us remember that believing in an unseen Jesus was the church's strength. They won their victory by faith. Let's uh, rephrase the, the tense of that verb. They are winning their victory by faith. Would anyone live the life of a Christian soldier? Let him pray for faith. It is the gift of God, and a gift which those who ask shall never ask for in vain. You must believe before you do. If men do nothing in religion, it is because they do not believe. Faith is the first step toward heaven. Man. He starts to say that it's the good fight. That's a that's a paradox. Good fight, right? Um, he starts to say how all war is, is evil to to a certain degree. Yeah, no matter how how just it is, or at the very least, it involves a lot of evil. Um, you know there there would be no war in the garden if there was no sin, right? There would be no warfare, things like that. Um, but so, so how and why can it be a good fight? And this is so encouraging, this part right here. The Christian's fight is good because fought under the best of generals. The leader, capital L, and commander, capital C, of all believers is our divine Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. A Savior of perfect wisdom, infinite love, and almighty power. The captain of our salvation never fails to lead his soldiers to victory. He never makes any useless movements, never errs in judgment, never commits any mistake. His eye on, is, a, is on all his followers from the greatest of them even to the least. The humblest servant in his army is not forgotten. The weakest and most sickly is cared for, remembered, and kept unto salvation. So uh, for the listener who is, um, he knows everything that we've been talking about, about the fight, but he feels weak and feeble and sick as a Christian. You're not left on your own. Mm -hmm. Remember this, as Ralph says, I'll read it again. The weakest and most sickly is cared for remembered and kept unto salvation. The souls whom he has purchased and redeemed with his own blood are far too precious to be wasted and thrown away. Surely this is good. It encourages us to know this fight is the good fight, not just because it has a good mission and a good purpose, but because it has the good leader and captain in general. That's our confidence. That's going back to our our surety of winning is not in ourselves. It's in Christ. It's uh, it's in His aid. It's in His leadership. It's it. Oh, He's the general. That's that's how we're going to win this thing. That's yes. how I'm going to win this thing. Yes. Um. So that's great. To to your point and your quote and Ryle's point, really. Uh, is that that's our great encouragement to keep fighting mm -hmm. is that is that Christ is at our side leading leading the fight yes um 
think about the the Christian who is committed to this fight in the workspace. Say you have a say you're an unbeliever or an immature believer, and you work with a man who is far along and committed to this spiritual warfare. That does good for the job as a whole. That does good for the company, for the store as a whole. Because Ryle says the Christian's fight is a good fight because it does good to the world. As a guy who has studied a lot under the doctrine of common grace, I wrote my capstone on the subject of common grace. Um, this you, done, is, you done with that? Yeah. Uh, listeners, Cole graduates, well, at the time of this re- recording, he graduates tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so Shout out to me. <laughs> I want to shout yeah. myself out. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's commended for his great humility and his accomplishments. Yes, I'm the most humble man that I know. <laughs> um, Kuiper is saying amen to this point. So even unbelievers are benefited by the believer's fight, which is why that fight is a good fight. He says, all other wars have a devastating, ravaging, and injurious effect. The march of an army through a land is an awful scourge to the inhabitants. Wherever it goes, it impoverishes, wastes, and does harm. Injury to persons, property, feelings, and morals invariably accompanies it. Far different are the effects produced by Christian soldiers. Imagine um, the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, the devastation New York City faced, even though the good guys won. Probably billions of dollars worth of damage. Whack movies, but okay. Uh, Don't get me started. Great movies. But going on. Wherever they live, they are a blessing. They raise the standard of religion and morality. They invariably check the progress of drunkenness, Sabbath-breaking, profligacy, and dishonesty. Even their enemies are obliged to respect them. Go where you please. You will rarely find that barracks and garrisons do good to the neighborhood. But go where you please. You will find that the presence of a few true Christians is a blessing. Surely this is a good thing. Here's how you can tell where you are in this good fight. Are you making the place around you a better place to be? Um, how thankful we are when we have we get new neighbors we see that those new neighbors... And they're Mormons. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Best of both worlds. They're great neighbors, and it's an evangelistic opportunity. Best of it's both. It's like the perfect... It's the perfect... Both worlds, no pun intended. Yeah. Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Um jackpot it's like when when your when your neighbor is a cop oh good his cop car is sitting in the driveway and i live right by him same even more so or it's real unfortunate yeah when he writes the ticket for your tags being expired because he lives right next to you or it's the cop like on that one movie with samuel l jackson where he's psycho and he's got the law on his side uh i don't i don't know i don't watch movies I, I don't endorse the movie, but um, I think it's Lakewood, Lakeview something. Anyways, your workspace is a better place 
because you're a Christian. Or if you're an unbeliever, uh, you're an unbelieving manager of a store. Your store is going to be a better store because you have a bunch of Christians working there. They're yeah. not going to steal from you. They're going to tr- strive for excellence. Yeah, Christian work ethic. They're good work ethic. They're going to try to show up on time. They're not going to cuss cuss up a storm. They're not going to back talk you. Um, they're not going to you know talk bad about you to their coworkers. On and on and on and on. Um, that's how it should be, and it should. It, it, if there is a, a a workspace where there's a lot of quote unquote Christians, but the place is not better. There's that's a sign that there are Christians who don't believe in a, a fight yeah. and aren't doing it. Yeah. It was Lakeview Terrace, that's, by the way. Yes, that's it. Lakeview Terrace. I know that was super important. It wasn't, but thank you for. It sounds like a. It, it sounds like a uh, uppity neighborhood in. It is. Oh, okay. It was. Uh, this, uh, this section here was so encouraging to me, man. Uh, the Christian fight is a good fight because uh, because fought with the best of promises. That sentence doesn't even make sense now that I read it. Read it again. The Christian fight is a good fight because fought with the best of promises. It's a shortened sentence. Because it is fault. With the uh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Look. Yeah, 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 I get you. I get you. Uh, I like Rao's writing style and that he drops a bunch of like scriptural bombs just in, and, and he f- makes them flow together. Uh, it, w- th- this is another kind of sh- uh, machine gun scripture right here. To every believer among, uh, to every believer belong exceeding great and precious promises. All yes and amen in Christ. Promises sure to be fulfilled because made by one who cannot lie and has power as well as will to keep his word. Mm. Sin shall not have dominion over you. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He, ha- he that has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the floods, they shall not overflow thee. Come on. My sheep shall never perish, neither shall any one pluck them out of my hand. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Mm. Man, that's that's the 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 true key for me. Okay, what? Uh, how do we keep motivated to fight even when we're getting beat up? It's the promises of Christ. Yeah. It's the it's the promises of Christ. Kind of going back to, he does quote Pilgrim's Progress somewhere in here, but it's going back to that chapter in Pilgrim's Progress where uh, there's great war analogies in Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, we should do Holy War, by the way. I think that's what it's called. Bunyan's Bunyan's other allegory. Yeah. We should definitely do that. But 
Um, uh, but it, it, to me, it goes back to, uh, you know, my favorite chapter of when Christian and uh, Hopeful are in the the uh, Downing, uh, Downing Castle and they're in despair in the cage and the promises of Christ for the key that uh, Christian has in his pocket to unlock the cage. It's that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, you know what sustains us, what motivates us, even when we're even in a moment of defeat, even when we're getting thrashed by our flesh, the world, and the devil. Uh, it's remembering the it's remembering the promises of Christ, holding on to those. Mm. Uh, I, I mean. Uh, the the best weapon in a way, the best weapon in a way, not the only weapons biblically prescribed. Oh, but man, that's what is it's what it's all about is is uh, Christ again assuring the victory. Christ assuring the victory. That's what the the fight is all about. Yes, glory to God for that. Um, if. He's assuring the victory, but you have to go with him and fight. You can't stay in the village and say, okay, if you've got it, then, yeah. then you know, I'll be here when you get back. Yeah. And why would you not want to fight? Why would you not want to do? Right. In light of all the stuff that you just said, why would you not want to do these things? Yeah. He, he mentions Hebrews chapter 11 as examples of um, the great cloud of yeah. witnesses. Look what they did because of what they believed. What they did because of what they believed. Um, man, I, we desire to see more men do this, to, to live this way. Well, more, yeah, more, I think you're right to emphasize that, but this is for men and women. It's for Christians. That's, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, it's for I, Christians, yeah. but this is a, uh, there are masculine aspects of Christianity and there are feminine aspects of Christianity. This is a lost masculine aspect of the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the time that we have left, and if you don't want to go down this route, you want to stay elsewhere, we can do that. Since we're talking about fighting, you and I both like mixed martial arts. We got a big, a few big things in the... Yo, when, yeah, when are you, first off, when are you gonna really like mixed martial arts when are you gonna start training when i get the time when i get the time if i had a job that enabled me to be home more right i would but saturday morning like when the kids wake up and all that um and then like during the week it would be tough for me to without sacrificing other stuff yeah but i would really like to get into it on top of that i'm worried about tearing my acl because of unforeseen future things that could come up I don't want to tear my ACL. I don't want to break yeah, an ankle. A, yeah, that's a myth. I want to be one hundred percent. I want to be one hundred percent. I'm right there with you. I want to. I want to do jujitsu pretty bad, but yeah. there's no way with my work schedule something hey, happen. Uh, 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 Memorial Day. Ben Lands and I are planning a little event that you guys are going to be interested in. Where at? At his house. Uh, tournament. Not a tournament. Basically, we're going to work out, shoot guns, and do jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the second part. Is super very stuff. But interested in. Uh, but 
we're not actually going to do hardcore jujitsu. It'd just be like basic yeah. self-defense style jujitsu. Here's some techniques to learn, but we're not actually going to spar because, well, a couple of us may actually roll. When is this? Memorial Day. Which is on a... Monday. All right. Our wives are at home making bread. We're wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the idea is that women and children come later so that kids aren't running around while we're shooting guns. And then we'll grill out. Stuff like that. There was a guy in my youth group called Ben Lynn. That's funny. Um, well, this is L-A-N-Z. But. Oh, okay. So, anyways, UFC World, a few different big things coming up. Israel Adesanya reclaims his crown. Well, that already happened yeah, a month ago. Um, Kamara Usman potentially going 185 to fight Kamzat Chemaev. That's going to be a rough house. Well, I haven't heard about that. It's, it's in the works. They're trying to figure out what weight they're going to go to. Secondly, oh, there's just Hamzat just called him out, or they're they're trying to figure out how to do it. It's like it's, they're just trying to make a mega fight. Yeah, that'll yeah, 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 yeah. that'll make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that fight would make a lot of money. It would. For sure, Kamzad is running. My money people. would be on Usman. Kamzad's a rowdy brawler, though. Um, Dana T- White uh, opened tonight, Kamaru Usman versus Kamzad Jamayev. Tonight, you've got uh, Aljamain Sterling and uh, what is it? Trip, uh, triple. Uh, what's his name? Oh, geez. Uh. Uh. Henry uh Henry Canudo. Yeah, Canudo. Um Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns fight tonight. Gilbert Burns just fought like just a month fought, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that there's not Charles I've been so busy. I Charles Oliveira fights, but tonight they, they were gonna fight, but he got canceled. Oh. Somehow. Some yeah, Bryce, Bryce Mitchell been, was gonna fight tonight, but that got canceled. I haven't been uh Man, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to follow any entertainments. Um, John Bones Jones is going to be fighting soon. There, he's in the works with Stipe. Yeah, yeah, that's the fight everybody wants to see. There would not be a stadium big enough to capture all the people that go to that. I think uh, Francis Ngannou would have been a bigger fight. Yeah, um, I wish that happened, but Ngannou's running. A lot of things going on there. But anyways, I don't want to keep this going because of that. Um, you're about to head to Jiu-Jitsu right no, now. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going. That's smart. I don't have enough sleep to go to that. Yeah. That uh, that would re- re- require a lot. Well, good chapter. I don't even know what the next chapter is. What does the next chapter say? The cost. The cost. Uh, I remember listening to that explicitly from audiobook. He repeats the phrase, you have not counted the cost. There you have it. Man, th- this book fires me up every week. I'm yeah. so glad we're doing this podcast for the sake that it has made me read books like this. Yeah. It's created the discipline to read good and beneficial books. Right. There's another good point, like... I've noticed with myself, if I don't have a schedule, either it's going to take me three years to get through a book or I just won't finish it. I have to have a schedule. 
I have to have a schedule. I have to have a obligation. Yeah. Yeah. I have to have, I'm, I have to build in external disciplines in my life so that uh, I, I get stuff done. Yeah. I'm actually the laziest person you've ever met. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. If I don't have external obligations, that's why getting married was the best thing for me. Having kids have been the best things for me because it's like, all right, well, I got a job to do. Yeah. Without those things, you were just a complete sloth. Uh, uh, I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I like in seminary. Somehow, in seminary, you can read 20 books in three months. Yeah, it's because but people it left, got you into the... Left yeah. to yourself... It's going to take you every bit of that three months to get halfway through one book. Like for me, I'm, when I say you, That's, I'm talking about yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you've got external external motivators there. Right. But uh, for me, though, I, I have to say there's some things that spark my interest so highly I just consume it. Um, yeah, like but those are fleeting. Yeah, yeah, but those are fleeting. Yeah. And once you're done with it, you're right. you're in... Okay, well, you might not read a book for months right. because you're not you're not stuck on something. Yeah, yeah. But that that's me with everything though. That's working out. I only work out if I work with other people. That's why I joined jujitsu originally because okay, there's uh like I'm just not gonna be disciplined enough to do physical fitness on my own. I need external motivators. Mm. That's a weakness that. I've overcome by knowing that that's my weakness. Yeah. Yeah, for a man to admit, too, that he's naturally lazy is a good thing. Because the men who are lazy and they don't admit it or they don't know it is, well, leads to laziness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, that's it. Naturally lazy. I would say most men naturally tend towards laziness. Yeah. Well, if you think about it this way, if you're commanded to work hard, why is that commandment there? Probably yeah. you have this. I do know some people, though. My wife's one of them. She, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like she doesn't know how to stop. I was just about yeah. to bring that. I've noticed this with, with men and women. It seems like women will just go, 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 and not, yeah. they, they'll burn themselves out to the point where they're like, like almost at the breaking point. And then the yeah. dude does almost the exact opposite thing where it's like, no, I've been at work all day. I'm not going to keep going. I'm taking yeah, yeah, a nap yeah. right now. And yeah. then there's arguments that proceed from there. There are those stay-at-home wives, though, that are also lazy. So they're like at, <laughs> at home all day. On, I don't have any people. On the gram. Yeah. Like uh, Watching the these, Real Housewives of Los Angeles. Right. You see these pictures of these um, these. Watching the Kardashians all day. These pictures and stories that have become viral of like the ladies, the ladies who've been home all day and there's a pile of clothes everywhere and just, so yeah, there's exceptions to every rule, but I have a brother-in-law who's in the military. Uh Oh, he is strangely hard worker. Constantly. Yeah. He's just got to do it. Got to go. I remember, uh, we were all. Outside. It goes nuts sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, I know guys like He's that not sitting too. down. He's outside leaf blowing 
and there ain't no, no leaves anywhere. Yeah, my dad's that way. That's but, my uh, dad. <laughs> like one time, one time we were uh, outside collecting a burn pile and chopping stuff down, and I had the chainsaw and I was going, and he had a polo collar shirt on with nice khaki shorts. He's here, let me have the chainsaw, and he just starts going. Yeah, and me and my other brother in law are both looking like. And he's probably shredding it. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just making quick work of whatever it was. It was yeah. kind of this leisure, like this hangout work day. Yeah. But going back to my phrase, the tryhard. He was out he's there. He's a tryhard. The tryhard. Yeah. And we're we're like, twenty minutes later, the polo shirts off, <laughs> sweat, <laughs> sweaty chest, yeah, sweat back. Um, and we're like, oh, we'll just let him do this, and he's just. <laughs> Going above and beyond. That's just how he is, though. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, see, I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm not that guy. Yeah. But anyways. That's why I'm here at 5 a.m., just so I can freaking read a book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that guy when it comes to yard work. When it comes to yard work, oh. there's those guys who want to be a master of their yard. I hate yard I'm work. I'm like, you know what? I think I'll weed eat next time. That's exactly <laughs> I'm going to skip weed eating this time. I hate yard work. Yeah. Part part of it is because it's I'm allergic to it, man. I am too. I'm allergic to it. I'll I come get so in. Inflamed. I'll come in. Our eyes are all inflamed. I got te- you know I got tears working out. I'm blowing my nose. Them not stringers. hanging out. Yes, yeah, stringers yeah. just running. Hey, if your wife's not into this yet, Ariel got these uh, tinctures. They're called. I don't know if that's what they're called. She calls them tinctures from some yeah. website. Earthly, I think. Yeah, Earthly. Yeah. Dude, that is the best stuff for better than Zyrtec, better than Allegra. I take like 10 drops of that, gone. You know, too, when it comes to that, um, there's a thing called gut health oil from Earthly. Uh, I think she has it. It's got candida cure in it, which apparently candida in the stomach will cause allergies. Is that a a drug? Uh, Basically. Is that a... Candida is like... You're talking about psychedelics right now? It's not like you're talking about like black magic. Like you're over here with a cauldron in your house like (laughs) making potions. You're like a tincture. I'm like, no, it's a potion. (laughs) (laughs) A potion. Um, No, my wife has... uh, No. I think Ariel has a gut health stuff. I just haven't been doing it. Yeah. But use the gut health oil and it helps with allergies. That's weird. Yes. Anyways... CDD2T4 coming at you recording direct from the classic cast. We'll just roll it. Oh, yeah.